Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Uh, Lord God, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our, our, our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, go ahead and open up your, your Bible to Acts chapter 2. We didn't read it yet this morning. We've been really focusing in on this description of the church uh, right after the day of Pentecost, really saying, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a people and forms that people in the way that God wishes? And we have this kind of description here uh, in Acts 2 to help us focus on that. We're looking at verse 42 and following. All right, in verse 42, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see here in the scripture, uh, we see people selling their stuff, uh, giving their things away. We also see people uh, breaking bread in their homes. So we see kind of two observations where this community of people is given over to service of the others. There's no one among them who has need. Uh, People are getting rid of their things, selling fields even, and throwing the money down at the feet of the apostles so that anyone in the community can be lifted up. We also see that, uh, yeah, they're spending time together in community. And whenever I hear that, I think, who's doing the cooking? <laughs> like someone, ha- there must be someone serving in that setting. So there seems to be this outward focus. People are not only interested in their own lives, but they're interested in the lives of those around them. And because of this, everyone is lifted up together and holding all things in common. So I thought, if I stand up here, you know, we're talking about service today uh, in the church and the marker of the church being service. And if I stand up here and I say to you, um, you know what, it would be great if you could spend more of your money on the church and if you could spend more of your time and your energy serving the people of the church around you. I think some of you would say, Pastor, are you trying to kill me? Because I feel like I don't have anything left to give. Right? I feel like I don't have any time to give. My money's tight. And I hear this kind of drumbeat from the church, give more, give more. Give your time, give your service, give your energy. And Sometimes when we hear that, it just hits us like fear. And I want to kind of explore why that might be um, today with you. I want to give you a little bit of a a story to think about. 
Uh, I want you to imagine that you are on a ship, uh, like a passenger ship, and you're going on a really long journey uh, to a remote place. And when you're about two-thirds of the way there, the captain gets on the microphone and says, I'm sorry to tell you folks, but we have completely broken down. And we don't know what's going to happen. We're going to be stranded here. Please don't panic. And then he gets off. <laughs> and notice that as soon as that happens, as soon as there's a limitation or there's danger, uh, your mindset shifts. Now, if you are, have a family or something like that, you think, what do I have to do to get my kids through this? Or if you think, I didn't, you know, I didn't bring extra food, what do I have to do to make sure that I get enough food until we get to the next place? And if that goes on for a few hours or even a few days, uh, people begin to act in this very uh, self-protective way. And they'll even become competitive for resources and maybe even violent if necessary because they feel like their survival's on the line. Uh, now I want you to imagine that some of these people, you and some others, hear very clearly that rescue is coming, that they sent another ship that will be there in a few days, and that everyone's going to be okay. In fact, the ship that's coming to get you is a carnival cruise ship. And so not only are you going to be okay, but there's going to be a party and there's going to be an excess of food. And so all you have to do is wait patiently. As soon as you hear that message, uh, the goalposts change. The idea is no longer to survive at any means, at any cost. Now the goal is to ensure that as many people survive as possible. Now the goal is to make sure that everyone has enough, that nobody is harmed or hurt as we're waiting for that to come. Now, that's great if you hear it, but if others, other passengers on the boat don't hear it, they're going to be acting in the exact same self-preservation, fearful way, anxious way. And you're going to be left there to try to talk them into calming down, not stealing from their fellow passengers, and making sure that everyone has what they need. This is kind of like a little bit of a microcosm of what we experience uh, in this world. Um, there's this reality that things are running out here. That everything is running short. That your time is running short. Your biological clock is running short. Your time to get into the right career is running short. The amount of years you have to play sports successfully is running short. Uh, the money that you have seems to inflate away, and the savings never seem to go as far as you want. And we're in this situation ever since being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, where we're getting used to the reality that we are limited. We weren't designed to be limited, but now everything is limited, the whole universe is limited even uh, as uh, thermodynamics tells us that everything's going to kind of uh, dissipate and become equalized and there's going to be no heat and no cold. Everything's going to just be the same and that will be death for the universe. And so at a biological level, you and I have gotten used to this anxiousness. Our bodies are constantly telling us 
you're limited. Our bodies are telling us uh, you, you don't have enough energy. You can't extend yourself. You're not going to be able to do it. And partly that's right uh, because our bodies are degenerating. Our bodies are limited. Our mental capacity is limited. And so a lot of times this fear attacks us and this, I believe, is that source of anxiety in all of our lives. Philosophers will tell us that uh, anxiety and fear is really at the core, the fear of death. It's nothing's going to last, everything's running out, and I have to make sure I get what I came here for before my time is done. I'm going to show you uh, a different part of the scriptures, Hebrews chapter 2 that I find is really fascinating. I was talking about Jesus, explaining what Jesus did. It says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, limited flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Jesus became a human, limited, killable, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Do you see it? Death has turned all of us, apart from Christ, into slaves. We're slaves to fear. We're slaves to our limitations. And that coerces our decisions to be self-centered, self-preserving, fearful, anxious, and stingy. And it's a slavery. It's a slavery that Jesus came to free us from by his death. And so we end up, uh, if we're not freed by Jesus, we end up feeling this. I, I can't give more money. I can't give money to other people because if I do, I won't have enough for me and my family. Or I can't give of my time. I can't think about other people and what they need. Because if I do, I, ha I, I won't be able to ensure that my kids are successful in school. I won't be able to dedicate the time to that. I won't be able to make sure that they're the standout in their sports team. Because if I don't do that, they're not going to be financially well off. They're not going to be successful. And I have this fear that I'm going to miss out and so will they. So it's a fear that coerces us into thinking these ways. But Jesus came to liberate us from this kind of primal fear that's in our bodies. To do that, he took on our own flesh that's limited. He took that on and he went to the cross. He became immortal. He died and then he rose again. He shows us that death is not the final word, that we're actually not limited, or at least he is not limited. When he took on flesh, he also resurrected that flesh. He stood victorious over the grave. And actually, the book of Acts tells us that he was resurrected never to die again because death no longer has dominion over him. And Jesus shows us that death is conquerable. He has conquered death. And if he has conquered death, and we begin to believe this, the goalposts shift for us. It's no longer about self-preservation. If we have Christ, and he is unlimited, now our 
focus is more about can we make sure that everyone is well? Can we make sure that everyone's going to be okay? That everyone makes it? Can we use our resources, our time, not just to ensure that we make it or that we're safe, but rather that everyone knows that Jesus conquered death and all who are in him will be raised as well. Uh, Jesus shows us what it looks like uh, to transcend death, to transcend that limitation, and what a life looks like that has transcended death. Uh, He shows that with his life of joyful and generous service. I want you to think a little bit with me about Jesus, about what Jesus did with his life. And in particular, I want to zoom in on the service of Jesus to us, and especially as it is shown when he washes his disciples' feet. I've just become more and more fascinated uh, with what it says in the Gospel of John. This is right before Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It says this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist and began to wash the disciples' feet. Do you see? It's so amazing to me that we have this glimpse into Jesus' heart here, into his motivations. Why does he rise up and serve? Why does he humble himself? It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, This was his motivation. He wasn't motivated by fear. Fear and anxiety have infiltrated all of our hearts, but not Jesus. What motivated Jesus to serve was his security. What motivated Jesus was his knowledge of his future, his security of his love with God the Father. That's why he did it. He knew he was going to be okay. He knew the riches that he came from, the throne of heaven, the company of God who is immortal, and he knew he's going to go right back to that position at the right hand of God, that he's going to be glorified, that all things are going to belong to him, and they already did. He knew he could be generous with his time, with his energy, uh, with his resources, And so he showed them what it looked like. He bent down and he served. This is the same security that Jesus had as he went to the cross. He knew that his father would raise him on the third day. And so he wasn't afraid to give even his life for you and for me. And so here's a question for you. Can you, in your life, you say, how how can I serve more? How can I have more of a generous spirit? How can I actually care about the people around me to a greater degree? Can you say something like Jesus said in his heart? Can you say, I know where I'm going? Can you say, I know the love of God for me is unlimited and abundant? 
And can you say that God will raise me from the dead, that he will make all things new, and I'm a part of that picture? If you can begin to say that in your life, generosity is going to flow out of you. If you recognize that you are tapped into unlimited life in the person of Jesus, the Father, the source of life, is yours through Jesus. If you know that your life, even though it feels like it's limited, is unlimited because of what Christ has done for you, and you can dwell on that more and more, your time is going to be free. Your finances will be free. Your calendar will be free to a greater degree to care for those around you. It's not going to happen through fear. It's not going to happen through whipping yourself into shape. It's going to happen through the heart of Jesus that is given to you by the Holy Spirit. It's going to happen through faith and the reality that God makes all things new. That you are not limited in Christ. I'm going to show you one more passage. This is Romans chapter 8. This is what it says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is an incredible thing to say. What is Jesus an heir of? What is his inheritance? He inherits all creation. He is the rightful heir of God the Father. And this is saying that you as well are co-heirs with Christ. Your fellow brothers and sisters with Jesus, who is forever blessed, never to die again, rules and reigns over all things. And if that is the case for you right now, which it is by virtue of your baptism and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then you don't have to be stingy anymore. You don't have to be stingy with your time, with your money, with your resources. What do you lack if you have Jesus? What do you lack if you have already been given all things through Jesus? What do you lack if the inheritance that is coming to you in the name of Jesus, is greater than any fortune anyone in this world has ever held. What do you lack if you are a ruling and reigning heir of God? Nothing. And the more we dwell on this, the more we hold on to this in our lives, the less stingy we'll be, the less captive we'll be to fear. The less captive we'll be to that force inside of our flesh that says you don't have time just hold on to what you can because this life is running out. You won't be captive and slave to that fear anymore. Rather, the more we touch base with this truth, the more we will freely give. The more we will give ourselves away. And the more we'll find ways to help those around us to survive, to know the good news about Jesus. And so what can we do uh, what are some ways we can incorporate this into our lives? The first thing is, I would say, just along with the rest of this um, sermon series, uh, be in community and be in worship. 
Why? Because your flesh wants to be enslaved. Your flesh is powerful. You have a gut level, psychological level, biological level reaction to what's happening in your life. And it teaches you, it trains you to be fearful. It trains you uh, to be greedy. But when we touch base with the word of God and we remember the promises of God, it lifts us out. We remember that we're called together with other Christians to love one another. It lifts us out of that. And we need to touch base with that often so that the lies of Satan do not enslave us anymore. Second, if you just think about what you spend your time on, especially, and you think, are any of the things that I spend my time on motivated by fear? Are any of the things I'm frantically trying to accomplish Are they motivated by a fear of missing out in my life? By a fear of limitation? And if that's the case, just bring that before God and and let that motivation die. And maybe that means you're going to let that activity in your life or that, that frequency die as well. And you probably won't be sorry about that. Beyond that, find one place in your life to serve. And I want to encourage you to serve in particular inside the church. Uh, We're called to serve the world in general, but we have a particular calling to those who are brothers and sisters with us, that they're cared for, that our hearts are tangled up with them. And so find someone or some way in the church to serve. Discipline your flesh towards that end. Say, yeah, flesh, you know what? You're not going to die. You're not going to be limited. You know what? You're going to be used for the sake of God and his people. That's what you're going to be used for. So as long as you have life, uh, as long as you have breath in your body from God, use it for the sake of service. And know what you're doing. Know that God has already given you security through Jesus. And so you're free to give yourself away in him. One last uh, thing we should look at, if we look in Acts chapter 2, the end of that, uh, great description of the church, Uh, they're breaking bread together, they're attending the temple together with glad and generous hearts, they're sharing their food, and in verse 47, they're praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. A lot of people ask me, how can the church grow? Why isn't the church growing? Here's another question. How could the church not grow if we all had full and generous hearts freely giving to one another day after day? Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would tear down uh, any motivation of fear that's in our hearts Help us each, Lord, to embrace the reality of the gospel, to see the beautiful and bright future that you have called us to, to know that we are co-heirs with you. And by that knowledge, Lord, free us from the slavery of sin and death and cause us to be overflowing with joy and service towards those around us. We pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.